Good morning. Look at you guys. So handsome. How are we doing this morning? Excellent. I, I actually thought since we're in week two of our fast that uh, I would do a joke about food, which I stole completely from the greatest place to get jokes from in the world, which is Facebook. When life hands you melons, you might be dyslexic. I'll give you a moment. When life hands you melons, you might be dyslexic. There we go. Good. Okay. I don't know if I should tell you. If I, if I have to explain it, it, it stops being funny. Dyslexic people can often get words confused and letters in, in spacing in sentences. So you could replace the M with the L and then you've got lemons when life gives you lemons. The old cliche joke thing. Okay, that's cool. I, I probably shouldn't have explained it to you, but there you go. How are we this morning? You know, when I was a little kid, I loved, and my parents hated this. I was one of the, I think, having had a few of my own, I've discovered that a lot of kids are like this. When they find a weakness or they find a flaw, like a thread sticking from a bit of cloth or something, they just can't help but, like, you know, just slowly pull on that, right? Or if they find, like, a hole in a mattress where they can get to the foam, they just slowly pull all of the foam out of the mattress well, it's a bit like me. It turns out that stayed with me as I grew up. And I found a little bit of a, there's a little bit of a theme running through the entire New Testament. The books, are, you know, from when Jesus came to all of the letters to the different churches. And I've always found it quite interesting and quite intriguing. Because there's, there's this line where the Apostle Paul is writing to this, this young man called Timothy. And he's explaining to him a characteristics to look for when you're looking for a leader. right? And, and he said this interesting thing. He said they need to be, they need to be able to hold the faith with a pure conscience. And I think that the whole, the mystery, actually he says, he says, hold on to the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. And I thought, isn't that cool? I have no idea what that means. And that's concerning, because if I don't know what it means, then I don't even know if I'm doing it, right? And so, so here he is, he's holding on to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And, and then in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, we have this treasure, we have this treasure in jars of clay, and the, and the image behind the jars of clay is fragility, right? You have to be careful with jars of clay because they're not particularly robust. And so if we're holding on to the mystery and, we're, and, the, and we're, we're holding this treasure in jars of clay, and then in his second letter to Timothy, Paul says in chapter 1, he says, I, I thank the Lord who I have served with a clear conscience. And I can't help but wonder how one serves God with a clear conscience. I, I wonder how we hold this mystery of faith, this, this idea of what it means to follow Jesus and walk with Jesus with a clear faith. In fact, in the, if I've still got it, wait, wait for it. Yeah, nope, it's gone. Who, use, who uses a Bible? I mean, honestly, that's stupid. It says here, it says, but we hold, this is Second Corinthians because it's interesting. It says, we hold this treasure in jars of clay to show that this is all surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. And here's this idea that even though we hold this fragile thing, we're going through life and life is tough, right? I wonder what it means to have a clear conscience. Because I, I heard a guy once, he was a very wise person, he said a conscience is like the windscreen on your car. 
you need it, right? The, the, the windscreen on your car allows you to see where you're going. And it also protects you from certain elements that you don't want in the car with you, right? And so just like a windscreen, if you don't have the windscreen, you're getting everything, right? Like I rode a motorbike for a few years. I got bees. I got wasps. I got... Anyway, it's unnecessary. So if, a wind, if our conscience is like a windscreen, then that's even more confusing because a windscreen, by its very definition, is designed to collect what you don't want in the car. It's designed to get dirty, right? Like your windscreen, like no one's like, oh, my windscreen's dirty again. No, I should have got another windscreen that doesn't get dirty. No, because your windscreen's supposed to get dirty. So here's more confusing. How do you hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience if a conscience is designed by its nature to get dirty. That's concerning. Especially when Paul got to the very end and he said, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I just want to unwrap a little bit of this mystery, if you're okay with that. Because I think it's very important as we look into 2022 and beyond for the rest of our life that we can say with certainty that when we walk, what we're, whatever we're carrying, the mystery that we're holding we're holding it with a clear conscience. Why don't you pray with me? In Jesus' name, Lord, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for the people here this morning. We thank you that even though there are a lot of obstacles to getting into this building this morning, every single one of these hearts is here, and they're here for you, Lord. Lord, we just pray that you would just speak to us. Holy Spirit, we know that you are walking amongst us. That you, We pray that not a single person would leave here the same the way that they walked in, but that each one of us would find something with you to take home with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. How to serve God with a clear conscience. I want to take you to another spot. And this might be a bit strange, but bear with me until like three quarters of the way through and it might make sense possibly. We good? Okay. I want to take you to the book of John, chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 3. And I'm going to read a little bit as we're going here. I'm just going to pluck a few thoughts as we're going. And uh, we're going to see what happens. So, Chapter 13 of the book of John. Now, just so you know, Jesus here is during the Last Supper. And, uh, and so Jesus, this is the Passover. This is the last meal he's going to share with the disciples. And this whole meal is, the whole idea of communion is based on this meal, right? This, this session, this, this moment in time. But this is just before the Passover happens. And this is just before he starts talking about communion like we've been talking about this morning, like Byron did an excellent job of this morning. And, but here's this moment. And I read it in verse 3. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothes and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And then Jesus said, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Does anyone think that now is later for us, to him? So possibly we could understand something? Just give me a nod, yeah? That's cool, righto. He says, you do not realize now what I'm doing. And then Peter said, no, you shall never wash my feet. Now this seems okay, right? Like if, if your boss came to you at work, and it's like, hey, let me scrub those toes for you. You'd, be, you'd, you'd probably say no at first as well, right? But we've got to remember that Peter wasn't the first person, the first disciple that Jesus walked up to to wash his feet. He'd actually started doing them, and he got to Peter. Peter's been watching him the whole time. 
And Peter, even though he makes some big mistakes, he's actually one of the more clued in of the disciples. He was the one who Jesus left in charge of, of, the, of the group at the end. He was the one who he let actually preach the very first Christian church message that brought 2,000 people to Jesus. Which 2,000, 5,000, a lot of people. It brought a lot of people to Jesus. Okay, so here's this guy. And, and Jesus is walking around. So, but we forget something. Even though it's strange to our culture and, Jesus, uh, and Peter's saying no to Jesus seems okay. We forget that this is in the Middle East, and it was quite common for the host to wash people's feet. In fact, it was, quite, it was considered part of being hospitable towards people, was to wash people's feet. So to the, to the disciples, this was actually quite normal. But Peter said no to Jesus. Why? And it's interesting, because when we understand what Jesus did to a lot of the people, what he taught, then it starts to make a little bit more sense. Peter knew this because Peter had been following him for three years. He heard what Jesus said to different people. For example, we know that Jesus, we know that Jesus, in just a couple chapters before that, now you've got to remember this is a Jewish system. They're living under a Jewish legal religious system. And everything was about clean and unclean, right? Everything was about clean and unclean. For, for a good Jewish person to touch a dead body meant you suddenly became unclean. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't sit on a couch where a couple had had sex, just saying, unclean, right? This, 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 they had a whole myriad of rules around what made you clean and unclean. And so here, here's this Jesus, and it, but Jesus, he, didn't, he actually didn't follow this. He said no. Just a couple chapters before in Matthew chapter 15, you read, he's, he's talking to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the religious law, and he says, you hypocrites, you you." you, you you, um, you serpents, you spend so much time cleaning the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside is wickedness, inside is greed, inside is envy. And then he actually says in a couple more chapters, because the Pharisees said, hey, look at your disciples, they're just eating food. They haven't had a ritual hand cleansing ceremony before they started eating. And Jesus said, don't you realize that it's actually not what goes into your mouth that makes you unclean? It's what comes out of your mouth because that, that's what comes from your heart. And so here's this Jesus. He's, he's taking this whole idea of what cleanliness means because to a Jew, to touch someone dead was to, mean, was to make you unclean. Jesus stopped a funeral procession one day, reached in, grabbed the dead body, and brought the guy back to life. This guy changed the rules on cleanliness. And so Peter's watching Jesus walking around the table washing the disciples' feet, and, and he thinks, wait a second, this is a test. I'm not supposed to let him wash my feet because cleanliness has nothing to do with it. That's not what makes me unclean. And so he gets to, so we get, so Jesus gets to, to Peter, and Peter says, No, mate, you're never gonna wash my feet. I'm onto you. This is a trick question. Yeah, I'm onto you. No, I'm much smarter. But he's wrong again. Good old, good old Peter. Because here's the scariest thing. Okay, here's possibly the scariest thing I'm going to read to you today. Jesus responded. He said, Peter said in verse 8, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, Unless, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Can I say that again? Unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. So Peter thought it was a trick. And then he realized he's very much wrong, so he's done a complete backflip, as most of us do in panic. Okay, see, so then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Just wash all of me. If I'm unclean, just wash all of me. Get it done. I want to part with you. And then Jesus answered him, 
those who have had a bath need only wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. And he only said not every one of you because in the room at that time was Judas Iscariot, the man who would betray Jesus. So that guy wasn't clean. And in this moment, Jesus actually lays an interesting thought at the table. This is not a a salvation issue. This is not a heaven issue. This is Jesus talking to Peter saying, wait a second, buddy. You think that being clean or unclean is the issue here. It's not. It's not. But if you want to be a part of what I'm doing in this world, if you want to be a part of the story I'm spelling in people's lives right now, then you have to let me wash your feet. And I have just a thought. When was the last time you brought the messiest part of your life to Jesus? When was the last time you brought the darkest place that no one ever knows about or very few people know about and those people don't talk to you very often? Because here's this moment where Jesus is talking because here's the thing, this is not salvation. But the, but the amazing thing is that following Jesus, following Jesus leads to dirty feet. Yeah? Following Jesus leads to dirty feet just like driving a car leads to a dirty windscreen. Following Jesus leads to dirty feet. And so I wonder if there's a connection between how we follow God with a clear conscience and how we allow Jesus to deal with the dirtiest part of our life. When was the last time that you let God into the place that you don't really like talking about? The chaos, the darkness, the mess. When was the last time you said, God, I'm actually really jealous of that person's success. I'm actually really really greedy, aren't I? You know, like there was some stuff and, and I, just, I just took it. That was the first, like there's, there's dark things inside of us and that's okay because we're all in, under construction. We're all a work in progress. But here's this moment where Jesus says, if you want a part in what I am doing, you need to let me wash your feet. And it makes me wonder if, if he didn't let him wash his feet, it wasn't that Jesus was going to not let him join, the, join what he was doing. It's that if we don't let Jesus wash our feet, we exclude ourselves. If you have a windscreen and you never wash it, how long can you go before you can't see where you're going? If we don't let Jesus deal with the dirtiest part of our life, the messiest part of our life, the part of our life that's designed to get dirty, then maybe we exclude ourselves from what God's trying to do around us. So here's this thought. Jesus, washing his feet, says, whatever you want to do, you're clean. But the part of your life, the part of your life that's designed to get dirty, it will get dirty in following me. And here's another thought, just on a side note. I wonder how many of us refuse to follow Jesus or refuse to get our feet dirty for fear of having dirty feet, right? Like, when was the last time maybe you thought, I'd love to do this, but my life's not quite in order. I'd like to serve in church. I'd like to join the the Life Kids, or I'd like to, you know, join youth, or, or, you know, I'd like to go on a missions trip. But you know what? I don't think I'm quite perfect enough yet. We don't use the word perfect. Maybe I'm not quite there yet or something like that. I wonder how many people are worried about getting their feet dirty and in the same way exclude themselves because they've forgotten that feet are designed to get dirty. Just like a windscreen is designed to get dirty. How do we serve God with a clear conscience? We actually be willing to let ourselves get dirty. Maybe this year is the first year you're going to go, you know what, I'm not quite perfect. I'm not quite where I should be, but I'm going to start doing some stuff for the good of the kingdom. I'm going to start being a part of what Jesus is doing in the world around me. And that might mean I have to get my feet washed, but that's okay. That's okay. 
Here's this other thought, because it gets really cool after that. Jesus, he, get, he finishes washing the feet, and he gets back to his place, and he sits down. And he says this. He says, um, verse 12, he says, Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I, what I have done for you, as I have done for you. So I wonder if there's power in it, if we just follow that thread a little bit longer. I wonder if there's power in first coming to Jesus. And maybe this fast is an excellent time for you. Maybe you, this is an excellent time to set some things and say, God, I'm just get you and me, we're going to get some things sorted out here. And you bring the, the, the messiest part of your life, the darkest part of your life, the most chaos that you have in your world, and you bring it to Jesus and say, Jesus, help me deal with this. And then the next thing you do is you find a brother or sister and you bring them into the messiest part of your life with you. You include them in your journey. You say, look, I'm struggling with this. I want you to know I'm struggling with this. Will you help me? Will we be a part of washing my feet? Because the interesting thing about windscreens do you know they get dirty on both sides? They get dirty on the inside and dirty on the outside. You know, they get that white, white fade on them on the inside, so you've got to wipe them down on the inside, and then they get dirty on the outside. I wonder if there's something in this at the same time, that when we bring ourselves to Jesus, he helps us deal with the inside. And then when we bring our darkness to someone who we trust, I should be very clear, someone who can, we can trust with our darkness, then they help us deal with the outside. And through that, we can walk and serve God with a clear conscience. We can hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. I wonder if there's something in that. We've got a theme this year. It's called Go. 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 It's time to get our feet dirty. But it's also time, I wonder, to start preparing, actually leaving space for God to work inside our hearts for God to work inside the darkest places. And, you know, we have a fear, right? We have a fear of letting people in to that place that we barely let ourselves think about of who we are. And I wonder, I wonder if we realize that when you actually let your guard down and when you let God into it and you let someone else who you trust into the exact same place, I wonder if we won't find that God was working in the darkness all along, working for our good. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Paul said to Timothy, find someone who can hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. I wonder if there's anyone here who wants to have a clear conscience this morning. I wonder if it's time to just let God into the darkest parts, the messiest parts, because it's okay. Following Jesus, if you're following Jesus, the disciples had, had, a, had an idea that the person who was the greatest disciple would always end up the dustiest at the end of the day because if you were following behind your master so closely that the dust from his sandals would get on you, then when you got to the end of the day, you'd go, look at me, look how dirty I am because I was following so closely behind the one who I'm following. And I wonder if that can be our story. I wonder if we go, you know what? I know life is gonna get messy. I know the windscreen is going to get cluttered. 
But Jesus said, if I want to be a part of the story, if I want to be a part of the story, if I want to be a part of his story, then I'll let him wash my feet. Right now, this morning, I'm going to pray that we, anyone, any hearts who are open would just, be, just have that moment with God, that you could begin that journey this morning, the begin that journey of just dealing with your own mess. And I'm also going to pray that those who would come into your life, that the Holy Spirit would bring to your attention those who you can trust with your own mess this morning. I mean, we're in a network right here. Like all around this room are people, men and women, who are just on the journey who you can trust. Find the person you can trust. Lord Jesus, I just pray over this group of people. I pray over every heart. And I thank you so much that you are with us even in this moment. Lord, we pray that those hearts who are questioning, those hearts who are holding to this, those hearts who have been, who have been influenced the most, Lord, those of us who want a clear conscience to be able to hold what you've given us with a clear conscience would be open right now. Lord, Give us the words to speak. Holy Spirit, as you speak to us, Holy Spirit, as you influence us, be the voice inside of our heart that tells us where to look for the darkest parts, tells us where to look for the mess. Some of us already know. Some of us are curious. What's the mess you want to deal with right now? What's the next step? What, maybe we have a lot of mess, and that's okay. Guess what? You can wash feet one foot at a time. And so right now, Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would show us the next mess that you want to deal with. And in the exact same way, Holy Spirit, we declare that you would bring to our attention, bring to our heart's notice those people in our life who we can trust. Or if there is no one in our life we can trust, that you would, before this day is over, that you would bring to our attention a phone call we can make, a text message we can send, Lord, that we can do this together as a family, that we would follow in your example, letting you wash our feet and helping each other. In Jesus' name we declare, amen.